let's get stuck into our um, into our week one of, uh, of forgiveness. And our key scripture today comes from Matthew 18. And Jesus is having a conversation with Peter, and I'm sure there's other people hanging around as well. Um, so it starts, let's read it together. It starts Matthew 18, verse 21. Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? And he puts up the qualifier. He says, up to seven times? He just, I'm sure it was a calculated number to appear generous. To appear like, how generous, how generous could it be? To, to give you some context, in those times there was a law to say that you need to forgive somebody three times. You could forgive them up to three times, and after that, they're on their own. So Peter figured, well, I'll double it, and you know, the baker's dozen bit. I'll chuck in an extra one. So seven times I'm going to forgive that person who sins against me and will be in the clear. But Jesus responds, and isn't it so funny how we, we like to number things, don't we? We like to put a line in the sand somewhere to go, this is how much we should do, and then I'm good. We like to kind of tick our own boxes, don't we? Jesus' answer was just so like, slap in the face. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, or some translations say 70 times, seven times. Basically, what he's saying is, you got it all wrong, Peter. You're thinking in numbers. I want you to think outside the box. I want you to think something completely bigger than the numbers that you're thinking with. And then he goes on to explain it with this story. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, in the Greek, it says 10,000 talents. To give you some context, um, they say here that a talent was worth about 20 years of a day laborer's wage. So we're talking millions and millions of dollars in today's language. We're talking millions. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And just so you know, in today's standards, well, you're not allowed to sell your kids. You're not allowed. I, I checked it out. I googled it and can't do it. So um, got to work out another way. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him and he said, Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Liar. The servant's master took pity on him and he canceled the debt and he let him go. The reason I said liar because I don't think someone who's just working as a slave is going to ever be able to pay back millions of dollars of debt. So this was something that was just so huge and out of everyone's reach. But he, the debt was forgiven him. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. And again, in today's currency, we're probably talking about, I don't know, like $10,000, $20,000, $30,000. So it was still a significant amount of money, but it was way different to the millions that he owed. He grabbed the guy and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. So his history repeating itself. But he refused. Instead, he went off, 
and he had the man thrown into prison and until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and they went and they told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Wow. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Wow, I mean, that's kind of heavy hitting, isn't it? You think about gentle Jesus, but this is kind of punchy Jesus. Like, this is, ow, that really hurt. That hurt my feelings when you said that. Like, he's really going for the jugular. And we're not talking about Jesus rebuking Pharisees right here, are we? We're talking about Jesus talking to his own disciples, the own people who are listening around him. It's for everyday people. This message is heavy hitting and Sometimes I think Jesus says those heavy things for us to kind of stop and pay attention. This is obviously something serious. We need to pay attention to this. Talking about forgiveness, man, we see forgiveness played out every day on the freeway, don't we? Try. See people forgiving each other all the time as they merge in front of you and slam the brakes on. Isn't it? I mean, you just see it wherever you, it's, it's hard, isn't it? I'm driving along at peace with God, got the worship music on, just enjoying the presence of the Holy Spirit. God, you're so good. And some person, inconsiderate, driving their car, pulls up in front of me, slams on the brakes because he needs to get off the, the freeway or whatever's going on. And all of a sudden, oh, how dare they do that? That's so rude. And, and my lovely sense of presence and oneness with the Holy Spirit evaporates in a second. And I'm mad as a cut snake. And I want them to pay. They need to know what they did. It's so inconsiderate. They hurt. They hurt my feelings. My sense of justice. But honestly, okay, so that's a mild example. I don't get it my car and storm over and knock on their window. Um, but you have seen examples of that, haven't you? Out in the road. And uh, I was chatting with Jordan, a few guys, uh, last week, I think it was, or the week before, and they were sharing some of their horror stories of actual things that they'd witnessed. And people rise up with such rage and such desire to meet our justice. Justice must be done because there was this bad thing that was done against me. That's just a tiny example of our desire to kind of make things even again. We've got to have a line in the sand. We want to see that justice meted out. And this is where Peter was saying, well, Jesus, where's the line in the sand? At some point, there must be a line. I need to see a line. And Jesus is saying, there is no line. There is no line. He's saying, you need to keep forgiving them. You need to keep forgiving them. There is no line. The, the forgiveness must go on and on and on. And just to kind of look at it a slightly different way, I think sometimes, I don't know about you, but I've, been, I've had times where I've been really hurt by somebody, I've felt betrayed, and I've forgiven them. 
I make that big decision, the, you know, the tears, and I'm on my knees, and I'm forgiving them in my heart. God, I forgive them. And then the next day, and I think about that situation again, and all of a sudden, I don't forgive them anymore. I'm angry with them, and I want them to pay again. And I have to go through that whole cycle again of forgiving them in my heart. And then the next day comes around, and the same thing. And I tell you what, I feel like there's a bit of an example here of keep forgiving. Keep forgiving that person or that situation, that thing that happened against you until the peace is there. Until the peace is there. Until I actually do love them from the depth of my heart and I don't have that niggle of anger or that niggle of, I want to get back at them. I want them to pay. And so you can look at that story another way. The 70 times 7 is actually, I've got to actually keep forgiving them over and over and over and over again until I feel the peace, until I feel the peace down here. Okay, I think uh, we'll bring this little prop into play. And I've asked a volunteer from the audience to come and help me out. That would be you, Clint. So why don't you come up and give us a hand. Put your, ha- put your hands together for Clint. Such a champ. In fact, um, earlier today, Clint was just showing me how good he is at doing the floss. So, uh, <laughs> all right, Clint, I'm going to hand you this. That end is you. And whatever, you, whatever I say to you from now on, don't let that thing go, okay? So this chord now represents a, a link between me and Clint. It's a tie. It's, it's something that holds us or binds us together. And I'll just use this as an example. I know that I'm pretty young looking and Clint's maybe a little... Older looking. <laughs> um, but say, for example, Clint's my dad. Clint's my dad. And this has nothing to do with Clint, okay? He's an awesome family guy, but I'm going to paint a little picture, okay, about Clint. Clint. Clint was my dad, but when I was six years old, Clint left us. He left us, me and mum and my brother. And he went off and he had an affair. Sorry again, Clint. This is, this is completely like fictional. He went off and he left us. And I was left growing up feeling really angry and disappointed about my life. I didn't know why I was so angry until I became an adult. Um, and just started to kind of work a few things out. Now this bitterness and resentment toward my dad has just grown. It's grown, and I'm, I'm mad at my life. Why has my life really turned out really hard? Like our life growing up without a dad just meant I missed out on so many opportunities. So many things I didn't get because dad wasn't around. Financially, experiences, I didn't have those things. I didn't have that stability in the home. Now I look at my dad now, and he's gone off, and he's remarried, and he's got this great life. His career's just taken off, and he's doing awesome. But I'm mad. I'm angry at my dad because of the things that happened to me. I'm so mad at what he did, how he spoiled my childhood, how he spoiled my life. Now, I'm so keen to get on with my life. I want to move forward into my destiny. Don't let go, okay? Remember what we said? (laughs) I want to move forward. I want to get on with my life. I'm trying. I'm trying to move forward. With my, 
I want to get on with my destiny and my calling. But something just keeps pulling me back, pulling me back to this guy, this unforgiveness that I have toward my dad. And I could say with all my heart, it's not fair. It's not fair what he did. It's, it was an injustice that was done. But something just keeps happening and pulling me back to this situation. And I'm so mad at him for what he did to my life, how he ruined it. But what's the solution? Is, just, is there some kind of justice that can be done that's going to separate me from my history? Is there something that can be done to separate me from this, from what happened to me? Is there, like, can I take him to court and charge him? Can I make him pay? Is there something that I can do that's going to give me back my years of childhood that I missed out on? What can he do? Seriously, what can my dad do that's going to make it right? Is there anything that he can do to kind of refill my tank and make me feel like it's okay again? The truth is there's nothing, is there? There's no amount of millions of dollars that's going to make it better. And we see people do this all the time. They, they want to go to court. They want to go to court and see justice done. And there might be some degree of satisfaction there. But at the end of the day, there's still this emptiness in the heart, this brokenness, this pain. And there's only one thing that's going to separate me, that's going to cut this cord between me and this person who's offended me, who's hurt my feelings, who've ru potentially ruined my childhood. And what's that one thing? That one thing is forgiveness. It's the only thing that's going to break this cord. There's no amount of justice on this earth that's going to cut this off completely. There's only one thing that's going to do it, and that's forgiveness. And now I give you permission to let go of the cord. Thank you, Clint. Your champ. Put your hands together for Clint. How good is that? Did that make sense? You get that, that picture of it. It's just so real. This uh, Greek word for, um, for forgiveness is aphiemi. Afiem, and it means, there's two parts to the word, apo, which is the prefix, which speaks of separation, putting some distance between, and hiemi, which is the motion of it. So I'm, I'm doing something which creates a separation. When I forgive, I'm separating, I'm cutting that cord, I'm putting it away, and I'm actually acknowledging that what happened, yes, it was an unjust and it will remain an injustice in my life. But for me to move forward with my life and all the things that I want to achieve, the only thing that's going to make that cut and bring about a freedom in my heart to, to move forward is being willing to forgive, to put away, to separate completely. Paul talks about anger in Ephesians 4, and his, his perspective is worth looking at. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Hmm. Okay, so there's, there's a place maybe for anger. There's a place for anger. Some translations say, be angry and do not sin. And anger is, is an immediate response. It happens straight away. Something's done and we feel angry. So he's saying, yes, you, we, we're human beings. We get angry. But he says, in your anger, do not sin. The next part is telling the next sentence. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Paul's saying, there needs to be a time limit for you to digest 
and process and simmer down this anger. You cannot allow it to stay with you. You cannot let it stay with you. And to be honest with you, sometimes there are things that are just so big, so momentous and so hurtful that you just can't deal with it in one sunset. It just kind of hangs with you. And the next day it's there. My question to you is this. How many sunsets is it going to take until you can let go of your past and move forward into your future? How long are you going to put up with carrying that person with you into your future, dragging the past with you into your future, being so hamstrung with the injustices that have been done in your life? How long is it going to be? And he says this, And do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. It's like an opportunity. A foothold is an opportunity. It literally means a staging ground. Don't give the devil a staging ground, a place to set up camp and start doing what he wants to do in your life, just pulling you down, pulling you away from your purpose because of your anger, because of that unforgiveness. Another way you could look at it is this, because the word devil, the translation is not like Lucifer that has been um, translated in other parts of the Bible. Um, it's another word that means slanderer or liar or deceiver. So you could interspose that word devil with something a little more personal, like that person's name. Do not give John... Mary, a foothold or a staging ground in your life. Don't give Shane a chance to be encamped in your life, speaking those words, those memories into your ear day and night. Do not give them an opportunity to affect your future. Have you ever um, met somebody and... They seem like a really lovely, well-adjusted person. Wow, th these people are lovely. They're so nice. And you get to know them a little bit more and you discover what their childhood was like. You discover some of the things that they went through growing up. And you think to yourself, how, how on earth could someone who's been through all of that mess turn out so well-adjusted and so right and so okay with things? And inevitably you discover that somewhere along the line, they made a decision that they weren't going to allow their past to affect their future. It wasn't a magic, like a fairy waved a wand and things became better for them. But one day, they were willing to make a decision that they weren't going to allow their past to affect their future. And it is exactly the same for you and me. All it takes is a decision. You just need to make that one decision to say, I'm willing to leave the past behind and forgive that person. And it's like saying, you owe me nothing. Wow. Could you say that? They owe me nothing. They, though what they did was painful, though it hurt me so much, I'm willing to say, they owe me nothing. Wow. That's a big thought right there. 
But if you could make that decision, it will change so much for your life. It will change so much for your future, and it will change so much for your children's future as well. It has such a flow-on effect. <coughs> I want to encourage you too, there is something redemptive about the nature of the life that you walk with Jesus Christ. God has a way of working all things together for good for those who love and serve the Lord. He has a way of restoring the years that the locust has eaten away at, that childhood that was robbed from you, that career opportunity that was taken away from you, that marriage that could have been so great that was removed from your, your life. He has a way of restoring all things. The years that you think are lost may not be lost as you think. May not be lost as you think. The prime example that comes to my mind is an Old Testament character called Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery, almost murdered by his brothers, given the boot, sent on his way. He ended up in prison for 13 years, I think it was. And then God lifted him out of that desolate place and put him in a place of authority over the whole kingdom. It's crazy to think about the whole circumstances, but what happens in the end? There's a drought in the land. Joseph is second in charge of all of Egypt. His storehouse, all this grain. And people start flocking into Egypt for grain from all the other nations around them. And lo and behold, who would it be but his own family comes to his door on their knees begging for mercy, asking for grain, asking for food. And there he is in the position of power with the opportunity to gloat, with the opportunity to cast them aside and, and mete out some justice of his own. For all the pain that was done in his life up until then, but what did he do? I mean, it, I'm sure it wasn't easy. I'm sure there was tears. I'm sure there was some inner struggle going on in Joseph's life. But what ultimately came to the decision that he needed to let them go. He needed to forgive them for what was done because he saw the redemptive quality in what happened in his life. Because if it wasn't for what happened to him when he was young, he wouldn't be where he was at that very moment in time. If it wasn't for that injustice that was done in his life, he wouldn't be second in charge over all of Egypt. It's crazy how God works things out and there is redemption. Joseph was able to say, he says it in Genesis chapter 50 verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Wow. Is there a redemptive process going on in your life? Despite the injustices that were done, despite the, the years that you feel have been lost, is there something good that could come out of all of this? We live in this wonderful era this covenant called grace. That we have been forgiven much. We have been forgiven much. Our sins, our 100 silver coins, 
that small debt has been wiped wiped away. Paul says in Ephesians 4, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. 